When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome one last time for 2024 to Melbourne Park, where you find myself, Catherine Whitaker, and Matt Roberts underneath a canopy of trees just overlooking Garden Square on some kind of beanbaggy type things. It's, uh, it's a strong end of slam energy out here. We've got seagulls circling, I'm sure mosquitoes biting, but it feels... It feels a very fitting place to record the final daily podcast of the 2024 Australian Open, where we've just seen Yannick Sinner become a Grand Slam champion. 3-6, 3-6, 6-4, 6-4, over Daniel Medvedev, who has lost an Australian Open final from two sets to love up for the second time in three years. There is no David Law with us tonight. He's fine but he is still under the weather and he he was desperate to come on tonight but i had to i had to put my foot down in in his what i hope is in his best interest so hello david get well to you hello matt good evening hello yeah we've had our eyes on these bean bags for the whole tournament really haven't we we've two been... and a half weeks i've been thinking about these things <laughs> lots of fans have been sitting on them and we haven't had a chance but The tennis podcast goes on after the last ball has been hit and we have seized our opportunity. Like like Yannick Sinner, we will outlast (laughs) you and we will get those beanbags. For beanbags, read Australian Open Norman Brooks Trophy. Yep. Where do we start here, Matt? Do we start with Daniel Medvedev, heartbreak for him again? Do we start with Yannick Sinner, a Grand Slam champion. Do we start with you being denied chips at three minutes past midnight in the media cafe? Difficult to know what the lead is here. (laughs) I was fuming. (laughs) It was as angry as I've seen Matt. There were chips right there that they were, I don't know, throwing in a bin or something. But because I was apparently three minutes after the midnight on the dot deadline for ordering, I was I was not allowed to eat and I was absolutely livid. I said, we're here all night. <laughs> he, did, he said, we are here all night. That was at the point that we were waiting for 
Daniel Medvedev and Yannick Sinner to come to press conferences. We we had Darren Cahill and what's Van Yossi's first Simone. name? Simone Van Yossi, uh, the coaching team of uh, of Yannick Sinner come to the the press conference room to to offer some really interesting insights actually to fill the time while we were waiting for the uh, for the finalists. But we should start with Sinner, shouldn't we? Coming from two sets of love down to win your maiden Grand Slam title, how did he do it? Well, you used the word outlasting just now, and I think that was a big part of it. Um, it was such a fascinating tennis match. There were so many different aspects at play. Everything we spoke about last night, their, their recent head-to-head felt like it influenced the first couple of sets because Daniil Medvedev came out with a different tactic. Uh, but he said in his press conference that that was mainly because of how he was feeling physically. He knew that he had to shorten the rallies. He had to be ultra-aggressive. Um, and he was brilliant in those first two sets, Daniil Medvedev. And I think he shocked Yannick Sinner. I, I think Sinner wasn't quite himself. Um, but he got the break at the end of that second set. Sinner still didn't manage to win the set, but he just broke serve and just broke Medvedev's momentum a little bit. And I think at that point there, that was when the the comeback started. Um, I, I wondered if you were going to pinpoint that game, actually, because failing to serve it out at 5-1 in the second set, even though he had that incredible cushion, mm. I remember thinking, you know, Matt Roberts' voice bookmark that game um and then you know that's one of those things that you only bring up if if you turn out to be vindicated but I do think that was the turning point just getting getting a foothold in that second set albeit losing it that with the benefit of hindsight that was the momentum shift Mm, yeah it really was and I think Darren Cahill mentioned that in his press conference as well didn't he and Medvedev, ever since his second round uh, match that finished in well in well into the early hours against Rusevori, he has said after every match that he started to fatigue after two sets, and I think that happened again tonight. It definitely happened. You know, he he tried to keep up that really aggressive approach. You know, but if mentally he was trying to do it, physically he wasn't quite able and the rallies started to get a bit longer they started to get a bit more on Yannick Sinner's terms Yannick Sinner was able to open his shoulders and unleash those incredible arrow-like ground strokes that again as Darren Cahill just said make a different sound to everyone else hitting a tennis ball and Sinner took over that match and I've, I've rarely rarely seen a tennis match where the momentum has has swung so much you know based purely on how the players seem to be feeling. Um, and yet, you know, it wasn't just a case of Medvedev completely fatiguing and Yannick Sinner strolling to victory. This was still Sinner trying to win his first Grand Slam title, coming from two sets down. He had so much to do still, and he managed to do it. He, he started serving a lot better. Um, yeah, it, w- it was an absolutely awesome performance. Medvedev said, yeah, look, I've been... Uh, things have been changing physically for me after two sets pretty much since I destroyed myself against Emil Ruiz Savori at, at three o'clock in the morning or or actually since the first round he said against mm. uh, Terence Atman mm. um, who, who Medvedev revealed tonight he was sort of five minutes away from cramping against and it, it, but until he noticed that Atman was cramping himself and it was uh, I don't know how that prevents you yourself from cramping but anyway he 
he sort of did some did some interesting after the fact insight into that match but he said the difference here was that the other guy didn't fatigue as well he said I've been fatiguing after two sets but I've seen that the other the other guy the guy down the other end of the net has been as well and that's been a boost to me and it's felt like a situation I've been able to manage and I've had second and third and fourth wins but Yannick Sinner grew stronger as the match went on I, I, I mean I didn't see any sign of fatigue from him and to think to think that that's the case given how much stress he must have been under I mean every professional tennis player says stress is the most fatiguing thing don't they you know they, they don't these guys could practice all day long mm. couldn't they it's it's matches that make them fatigued I just god he's a cool cool cucumber isn't he Yannick Sinner bloody hell and remember, there was a time not that long ago where he was our new "Why Do I Lose All the Close Matches" guy. You know, he, at end of twenty twenty two and start of twenty twenty three, he kept losing in five sets at slams. I think he lost four straight five set matches across the four different slams. And so, it, you know, it feels quite fitting that this sort of leveling up of Sinner that you know has now made him a Grand Slam champion has has come in this this fashion it's like that was the last thing he needed to to kind of tick off he'd had all these pretty one-sided matches through the tournament but suddenly here he is biggest match of his life and he's in a fifth set against Medvedev okay he's got the physical advantage but he's still got to get over that line and he just kept going after the ball and kept delivering and he, he was he was sensational and um I think the the atmosphere and in the stadium was interesting as well wasn't it because you know suddenly when Sinner's two sets down the crowd really start getting behind him and Medvedev said in his press conference he was trying not to think about the Nadal match here two years ago and I think you know it did feel like a different match it it, it took a similar scoreline and you know zooming out it's still Medvedev losing a two-set lead but um, I just think that yeah that that experience that Daniil Medvedev we sort of thought would be to his advantage in this in this match actually when Yannick Sinner starts coming back at him suddenly that experience is kind of like oh there's some there's some demons there and I think you know the whole crowd getting behind Sinner Medvedev being fatigued it just all suddenly started to go in in Sinner's direction and, and there was nothing quite that that Medvedev who didn't completely fall off fall off a cliff like he was still there he still had break points in that fourth set but against the sort of unstoppable Sinner there was just there was just nothing that that Medvedev could quite do to arrest it once Sinner managed to turn the momentum yeah I I found the the Yannick Sinner comeback and the Medvedev fade other than the physical element I found it quite hard to read and analyze in the moment because there was no there was no tactical shift really that I I noticed I mean Sinner Sinner definitely heard the the if you don't have a good drop shot I'm going to win the <laughs> tournament line he put that away completely tonight didn't he maybe once or twice used it but but barely at all naturally Medvedev's volleying has been a bit of a revelation this tournament I mean not a you know he's the new Pat Rafter kind <laughs> of way but I had filed him away as don't ever come anywhere near the net Daniel before this tournament and he he, he showed he's 
got some skills yeah, up there. There were some very nice ones off his toes at times. There were, and, really and I think actually me. at one point, uh, Darren Cahill shouted to Senna, don't give him the net. Mm. I mean, that's got to be a boost <laughs> for Daniil in this, uh, in this low moment. But yeah, it didn't feel like there was any weakness of either player that was being targeted. They both felt felt very even off off the two wings, which given the technique on Medvedev's forehand is pretty extraordinary. Um Sinner was exceptional down the line, I thought, taking he decided I'm gonna be the first one to go down the line in these rallies and it's just such a smooth shot when he does that, particularly on the backhand, but he can do it on both wings. But yeah, it didn't feel like, oh I found the I found the scab I can pick at, or I found the I've unlocked the cheat code. It just felt like a a slow erosion and a a slow toppling, mm. I suppose, and kind of death by a thousand cuts for for Medvedev and losing from two sets to love up in two out of three Australian Open finals sounds terrible he's the first guy in history to lose two grand slam finals from two sets of love up it sounds awful it sounds like the record of a choker and yet i just don't think of medvedev that way at all and i still don't after tonight i agree and i i think he hinted at it in his press conference didn't he like this match was was partly lost in the previous rounds you know, he, he played so much tennis coming into it, and he, and he said he, he had to adopt a different approach because he knew there was no way he could go toe to toe with Sinner over five sets. You know, he had to shorten the rallies, and in a way, he's he's kind of overachieved, I think, a bit tonight, based on his own brilliance in those first two sets and his own willingness to to change his game style. Like it's ended up a really heartbreaking loss, the manner of it. But, like, there was a world there where he goes out and plays his usual game and loses in straight sets tonight to Yannick Sinner. And actually, I think today what he did was actually even more admirable. You know, the fact that he he tried something, he, 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 he knew that he had to change up his game plan, and he did, and he just couldn't quite get it over the line. But it's... it's I don't view... This one, or the one against Nadal, and you know, it was an all-time great coming back at him in, in that one. I don't view either as chokes. I, I, I don't view either as um, he's got a major problem when he gets two sets up. It, if you look at the individual circumstances of them, you can you can kind of explain them. I, I think the Nadal one was probably more in his control in a way. Like he was just so physically depleted today. And he and he made such a good effort of it, but um, you know, perhaps you could say he ne- he needs to find a way to win his his previous rounds sort of more straightforwardly, and that would have helped him. But in the moment, it was like a triumph that he even managed to get that. I think to five sets. It's the most time anyone has ever spent on courts at a Grand Slam, uh, more than twenty four hours. <laughs> That's ridiculous saying that. Hannah did an excellent tweet saying, well, if they're going to add an extra day to the Australian <laughs> Open, better make good use of it. Uh, more than 24 hours on court and um, the coverage David was watching on, on Channel 9 back home, they flashed up a, a graphic of the the, the five the, the players that have, that have spent the, the longest time on court during a Grand Slam run and you've got Alcaraz, US Open 2022, Nadal, Australian Open 2022, Murray, US Open 2012, and Rorinka, US Open 2016. They won the titles. 
It's a lot of effort to not come away with the trophy, isn't it? Yeah. And look, I think part of it as well was the two extraordinarily late finishes that Medvedev had. Like, I think not only were they physically gruelling matches, but they just took more out of him because he... Well, he got to bed, he said, I think, uh, 6 or 7 a.m. after the Rusevori match and then at 5 a.m. after the Zverev match. And, he, you know, he said yesterday, the way he was feeling, he felt like he basically had no chance against Yannick Sinner because he felt awful after that Zverev match. And he's, he's sort of done an incredible job to even get out on court. But, yeah, it's just, it's not only the matches he's played, but it's the time of day they've happened and the impact they've had on his sleep and on his body... Like and he said in his speech, didn't he? Bless him. Next year, I'll I'll try harder. Like, how can you try harder than what Daniil Medvedev has done this tournament? He um, he said something very profound in his press conference just now about how even though you've done better and you've achieved more, it hurts so much more to lose in the final than in the semi-finals or the quarter-finals. He was like, obviously I'm glad I won those matches, but if you win those matches and then don't win the trophy, it's actually kind of doubly painful. And that's that's the psychology uh, I always apply when, when I say I'd, I, I wouldn't want to win a silver medal at the Olympics. In the world in which I'm <laughs> I'm choosing which medal I'd like to win at the Olympics, I just... I'd rather win a bronze than a silver because silver just feels like the most heartbreaking place to be. And it's it's really, again, it's, it, it doesn't feel... Even though I have no qualms with any of the outcomes of, of these finals, you know, the, the better player has won, of course. It doesn't quite feel right that Medvedev has played six Grand Slam finals and only won one. Mm. And he knows how the effects of like losing a grand slam final can linger because he you know he mentions that last time he lost from two sets up in the Australian Open final he had his first, he had his worst season and i think you know there was a lot going on that year but i think he he definitely feels like that loss took its toll and played a played a part in why he had that worst ever season and you know he's he's conscious that he doesn't he doesn't want to let that happen again you know and and i <sighs> I do think there is something to this new Medvedev a little bit, like in terms of trying not to let stuff linger. Like they're going to happen. He's going to have blow-ups. He's going to have moments, but he's not going to he's not going to let them sort of affect him longer term. I think. I think that feels like the big difference to me. And I'm quite sold on new Medvedev. Mm. It's not quite as fun for us, <laughs> um, but I. I'm quite sold on it being a real thing and not just a a whim, you know, a New Year's whim. And I think he's he's had enough validation of it this tournament to to continue with it. And he did say, didn't he, a couple of days ago, when I decide to do something, I really, really, really do it. Mm. And it does feel like that's what he's doing with New Medvedev. And he, of course, he was asked about his heartbreaking speech here two years ago about the kid in him that had died and how desperately sad he was that that he didn't get any appreciation from the crowd today and um he just said i'm a different person now didn't he potentially since his holiday in the maldives <laughs> only a few weeks ago was i haven't actually checked whether it was the maldives i just assume it's the maldives because it's because <laughs> he's a tennis player a tennis player going on holiday <laughs> 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. We need to have lots of what does it mean chat. So uh, so brace yourself for that. I'll give you a, a moment to... Oh, there are some circling seagulls. Uh, I'll, give, I'll <laughs> give you a moment to prepare yourself while I tell you one last time this Australian Open about on location, the, the premium, premium hospitality, hospitality and experience provider. They have sponsored us throughout this Australian Open and we are thrilled that that has been the case. And now you probably know if you've been listening to all these shows, but I will tell you once again on location, have incredible ticket, hospitality and travel packages available for pretty much any tennis tournament that's worth worth going to. Indian Wells, Miami, Madrid, Roland Garros, Wimbledon, the US Open and the Labour Cup. And most importantly, we've got a 10% discount code for tennis podcast listeners on 2024 Roland Garros VIP ticket packages, courtesy of Steve Fergal's international tennis tours those packages not only include fabulous tickets to watch the tennis but also access to cocktails hors d'oeuvres and generally contemporary and refined times at la mezzanine at l'orangerie now uh, we have that 10 percent discount code available to all tennis podcast listeners that's on those roland garros ticket packages and to buy one of those packages just go to tours for tennis.com for slash podcast tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast 
And the discount code to put in at the checkout is Clay Season, C L A Y S E A S O N. And a reminder that we also have a 5% discount code available exclusively for friends of the tennis podcast. And that is applicable on all on location tennis packages to all events besides the Olympics. So Indian Wells, Miami, Madrid, Wimbledon, US Open, and the Lever Cup in Berlin. So. To access that code, just become a friend of the Tennis Podcast. You'll get the code and you'll get all sorts of other fun things as well. So all of that is available to you. Thank you so much to One Location for being our partners throughout this Australian Open. Of course, terms and conditions do apply. Now, Yannick Sinner. Mm. He's a Grand Slam champion. He's a Davis Cup champion. He, as Daniel Medvedev pointed out to us several times in his press conference, is leading the race. <laughs> Someone's got to do that if Nadal's not here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What does it mean, Matt? What does the immediate future hold for Yannick Sinner? Well, I would say, first of all, it means that I was wrong <laughs> because I didn't necessarily think that Sinner would win a slam this year. Um like I really felt like his his end of season last year was was very real like it wasn't just a guy having a run at the end of the season and won't be able to carry it into the new season like it did feel so different the caliber of player he was beating um the tournaments that he was winning the you know the two wins over Novak Djokovic all of it like it was it was incredible and we said so at the time but I still felt like actually doing it at a slam might take some time because he's he's that guy he's the he's the process guy he's the one who who takes the steps and then achieves the thing um and he's he's even better than i thought he was i would say um especially on a hard court like i I still think clay and grass can be very good surfaces for him but this has all happened on a hard court so you know we should we should wait to see him you know post puke sinner on on the clay and on the grass um but I thought it was it was interesting what uh, Darren Cahill said in answer to a question from Eleanor Crooks about how how much has Alcaraz getting in there first sort this of this question and answer was incredible. Right, she, she said, "How much has Alcaraz getting in there first motivated Sinner and you know sort of made him kick on." And has it made him kick on? Has it motivated him? And and Darren Cahill said, hell yeah. Such a good answer. And, and I just thought that is so right because, you know, we we definitely had a conversation after Wimbledon when David predicted Carlos Alcaraz <laughs> to win the next 12 slams. But look, the the sort of basis of that conversation was, <laughs> was Alcaraz might have a period here to dominate the sport you know he, he might have a period of men's tennis kind of on his own and we said once someone does that look at what Federer did eventually people will catch you up that's just how things work you know Are you saying he's wasted his window I'm saying Yannick Sinner has maybe not completely closed the window but like he's he's right there with Alcaraz now he has to be especially especially on the on the hard courts as I said like He's got the good head-to-head against Alcaraz. He can now beat everyone else. He's won 10 of his last 11 matches against top five players. And it feels like 
look, I still think Alcaraz... I'm still a huge believer in Carlos Alcaraz. He's going to win many, many more major titles. I, I, I believe that. he He's still the guy to me whose game I find the most exciting, just personally. But Sinner is, like, such a force. He is... He understands his own game, I think, maybe better than Alcaraz does at the moment. Um, that's yeah. such a good way of putting it. Right? Like, Yeah, that's I, such a good way of putting it. Sinner is the more mature player. And we should point out that he is two years older than Alcaraz, mm. right? And they're, they're, they've, they're so in the same bracket and have been in the same bracket. But actually, Sinner does have that much more experience. He's had more opportunity to be be methodical, um, and Alcaraz's prodigious breakthrough so so early kind of it, it bypassed so many of the the, the steps in the process, mm. right? And maybe he needs to to go go back a bit and be more process led. God's a lot of chat about the process. <laughs> Wait till you hear and start talking about mindset. There was a lot of that in the press conferences as well. Um, but. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Just totally knowing his game. Mm. And Alcaraz has got work to do there. Yeah. I think, again, I've been a bit guilty in the past of really viewing Yannick Sinner like, through a Carlos Alcaraz lens. Like Yannick Sinner was never more exciting to me than when he was playing Carlos Alcaraz. And maybe I still feel that to some degree. But I think through these tournaments that he's won, you know, the Davis Cup, here at the Australian Open, like Alcaraz hasn't been in the equation, and I've found it thrilling to watch Yannick Sinner. Like I've really started to really enjoy his game, watching him move the way he does, side to side, getting getting so low, being so strong, and on on the stretch, I find just sort of mesmerising. And then just the way he hits the ball, like he's he's like sort of the anti Michael Mo. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to him for catching strays. <laughs> But you know when we watch Michael Moe and you think, how does, well, how does don't he... don't very often. <laughs> how does he not hit the ball bigger? Yeah. And for Yannick Sinner, it's like, how does he hit the ball like that? I find it kind of mesmerising, the timing, the the core strength that he has. Like, he, he's so explosive. And I've loved watching his matches up close this tournament. And I and I think he's... he's yeah, he's just more of a star than I'd realised, I suppose. Mm, he's a particular type of star, but he is. Gucci know what they're doing. They do. That is what we've learned from today. I d- yeah, I d- that was another thing that, that struck me about the match today. Sitting there watching it from... We were in slightly higher press seats today just because of the the sheer volume of demand. And I mean, they're still still great seats, but it's just that bit further up and it does affect the way you view you view the match, I think. And I was just so struck by... The absolutely ridiculous movement of these two incredibly tall, quite lanky guys, right? Like, back in the day, men of that stature, that would be a meat and potatoes mm. tennis game that they would have. And they're, they're, they're moving like Federico... Oh, no, wrong courier. <laughs> oh, my God. I've, <laughs> I've accidentally shouted out Federico Correa. Younger brother of Guillermo Correa, who I actually <laughs> wanted to shout out. Um, unbelievable. I mean, I know the ATP bio says that Yannick Sinner is only six foot two. But we we have issues with that, <laughs> don't we? I mean, w- w- 
Daniel Medvedev 6'6", six, six, mm. I think. Sin is not far off that. 6'4", at least, I would say. These are tall guys. You know, generally, 6'1", 6'2", is considered the optimum height for a tennis player. Um, and, the, and sort of there's diminishing returns from that point onwards. But these are just superhero-type players with all of the benefits of being tall and none of the weaknesses. It's, it's pretty ridiculous, really, how they move, both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And just interesting for Medvedev saying that he he feels like he's kind of at the stage in his career now where actually maybe he needs to start adapting his game style. He said, I'm 27 style. now. I'm getting old. And then he Tough said, for you, that man. <laughs> then he said, I'm still super young. It's <laughs> like, well, which one is it, Neil? Um... <laughs> And and like I think you know those first two sets how how aggressive he was like that might be a, a, a Daniil Medvedev we see a little bit more often perhaps I, I I don't think so I don't think he's going to completely change his DNA as a tennis player but the like, thing is he was just more efficient that was that would have been the play even if he hadn't been tired right well he said e- I mean easy to say now having seen how well it worked for two sets but. Surely that that was the play, regardless of how he felt. But maybe, and maybe it it focused his mind. Yes, and it made him no totally commit to it. Yeah, he said, didn't he, that if if he'd been feeling physically strong, he he probably would have decided with his coach, let's let's make it physical and see if I'm coming out on top. Like that probably would have been his game plan. Like try and come out on top physically. Well, that wouldn't have worked looking at Sinner tonight I mean I don't know if, if Medvedev had a full tank maybe maybe but he unlikely like because Sinner was another couple of sets Sinner was so strong in that match and all tournament and and again that's that's all part of the development and, and the work that he's put in I, I remember there was a point last year where I thought he looks he just looks stronger on the court Sinner he didn't, he didn't change body type but he he said he'd put on some muscle, hadn't he? And he, he just looked. Start of last season, he had. He, I think it actually might have been after the Australian mm. Open, before Indian Wells. He had. Uh, I remember Yannick Sinner saying he, uh, Darren Cahill rather saying that he had he put on some some muscle in a non dramatic way. Yeah. He he just looked more stable, mm. and um, yeah, it's it's all part of this this development that's been happening for years, but has accelerated in in the last few months it's going to be an arms race now for the first slam to get a a sinner alcaraz final isn't there and i know the u.s open will feel (laughs) like they deserve it because they never got federer and nadal but then they have had sinner alcaraz Mm, the sinner Sinner alcaraz just in a semi-final um what about daniel medvedev at the moment He's a one-slam wonder. Does he stay that way? Is there, as great as he is, is there always going to be someone that's a bit better? I think he'll get another slam. I do. Like He's so consistent. He's so often there in the final. And he is going to try harder. <laughs> he's pledged us that. <laughs> But yeah, like he, his head-to-heads against 
well, against Sinner is going the wrong direction. That's now 6-4, four, four in a row for Sinner. Alcaraz, look, he beat him in that US Open, but generally Alcaraz had the better of, of that head-to-head. And as long as Djokovic is around, Djokovic has tended to get the better of him as well. So it's 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 very tough, but he's such a good player on a on a hard court, a specialist, you could say. <laughs> that I do think I do think he'll get another hard court slam. Mm. Just got to keep putting himself in the positions, hasn't he? Yeah. And, and look, I, I fully, as I said, I fully expect Yannick Sinner to 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 kick on, but. You know, we did our Australian Open relived on on Novak Djokovic winning in 08. And it it, it feels like there's slightly different stages in their career, but it took Djokovic three more years to win another slam. Like, we don't know what this will do to Yannick Sinner in the way that I don't think we would have predicted what's happened to Carlos Alcaraz since Wimbledon. Like, they're still... Like, Alcaraz is fine, I think. I really am not worried about Carlos Alcaraz generally. And I think Sinner will, will, will most likely kick on from this. But, you know... You just don't know, and Medvedev is reliably there, and I think that that sort of counts for for quite a lot. Yeah, you can make, have that plastered across a T-shirt. Reliably there, <laughs> sexy stuff. Uh, I'm going to ask you a really tough question now because I can, uh, and because who doesn't love a bit of potential recency bias? Who out of Alcaraz? Oh, and I knew Sinner? you were going to say this. <laughs> who out of Alcaraz and Sinner is having the better career? At the moment, I still think Alcaraz has the edge. Uh, as you said, he, he he is younger. He's he's already ahead in that you know he has one one extra major. He's been to world number one, um, and I I do think the surface thing maybe comes into it. Like Sinner's shown great performances on on clay and grass. He, he has, but I don't think he's quite. Certainly on grass, he hasn't shown what Alcaraz has by winning Wimbledon and, and Queens. Um, and I, it just feels like Alcaraz is going to get it together at the French Open before too long. I don't think we've quite seen the best Alcaraz at the French Open yet. So I would give the edge to Alcaraz, but I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than I would have said even a few months ago. Like, I think I think they're going to be pretty neck and neck. I, I think Sinner is awesome. Just one last thing with uh, Sinner that I wanted to touch upon was um, what he said in his speech. At the very end of his speech, actually, look, he's not a razzle-dazzle guy, Yannick Sinner. His speech was pretty much what we're expecting. I think lovely, but no, you know, nothing that we noted down um, to, to mention on the podcast until one of his very last lines, which was about his parents who um, aren't here at this tournament. They didn't do a Joe Wilfred Songer parent thing and fly in for the final, which, as we discovered or reminded ourselves on Tennis Relived, really kind of unsettled Songer and piled extra pressure on there. Back home in Italy in, what did he say, minus 20 degrees? Mm. Uh. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, he thanked them, but he thanked them in a, a very unique way. He said... He talked about how he did lots of sports as a kid and it's well documented how great a skier he was and he had the opportunity probably to to turn pro um, at at skiing. 
um, and he said they never ever pushed me. Tennis tennis was a choice for me, and I'm so I'm so grateful to them that 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 is the case. And and I hope I hope other kids are afforded that space um, and generosity by their parents and I don't it, I, I absolutely don't think it was pointed at all at the myriad pushy parents that this sport boasts but it it was quite a powerful grown-up message wasn't it yeah I don't think it was necessarily pointed just because Yannick Sinner is not he's not that guy he's not that guy is he but I think he would he would know that it's it's an advantage or a privilege that he's got over over other players. He will have seen the impact that parents may have had negatively on on their child's career, even if they want the best for them. Um, and and I think you know he said, I, "I wish everyone could have my parents." You know, he's it was it was really special actually. Mm. And and I, I I thought it was an incredible message actually. And um, yeah, just sort of recognizing the role that they've played even if they weren't physically here like they're sort of with him and and always have been and yeah i, th- I thought it was i thought it was very touching and very special mm. and, and very important actually like parents of of potential champions in this sport should should be hearing that and mm. and listening to that do you know who else wasn't here david <laughs> Well, yes, David. Um, the Karota boys. Oh, gosh, yes. The they were here. You're a professional carrot. <laughs> you're a semi-professional carrot supporting Yannick Sinner. And you're not there for the biggest moment of his career. They were there for Bortic van der Zanskop <laughs> in round one. <laughs> um, I, I believe it's because, shocker, they've, they've got jobs. Um and they were they were unable to make a second trip to Australia. Is it tough for them that like Sinner doesn't need them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I <laughs> he can do it without honestly them. Honestly, think this could be the end for them. I don't know. I mean, they're onto a good thing, flying around the world dressed as carrots. Um, <laughs> I think they've done their they've done their career slam now, haven't they? They've been to they've been to all the slams. Mm. And now they're just going back to work in IT or something. <laughs> what you've been up to? Oh, you know, just carrot stuff. Uh, yeah, sorry. Our thoughts thoughts are with the Carota boys at this uh, at this very difficult time. Uh, that wasn't the only final that was played today. We also had the women's doubles final uh, that was also on the Rod Laver Arena earlier on in the day. And we watched most of this. Matt watched pretty much all of it and was enthralled once again by the majesty and the magic of Shay Suwei, who, alongside Lisa Mertens, won the title 6-1, 7-5 over Ludmilla Kitchenok and Yelena Ostapenko. And it's the Shay double i mean of course it's the shea double she looks absolutely unbeatable <laughs> she is a marvel i mean she now holds uh four different different majors with four different partners <laughs> <laughs> across two different disciplines you know women's doubles and mixed doubles she obviously won with Jan Zielinski here the mixed and now the uh, women's with with Elise Mertens and she won Wimbledon last year and and the French Open last year with uh, Stritzkova and Wong 
and like that is incredible like she is so adaptable um she's such a good doubles player such a good sense of the court such good hands um i must say i thought elise mertens was probably probably the mvp today i, I do think she did a lot of the the sort of heavy lifting in in this match it was a, it was a very entertaining match it was it was exactly why i prefer women's doubles to men's doubles because there were actually really good and interesting rallies and you do get some in in men's doubles but they're you know they tend to be really fast paced reaction based rallies whereas this was a lot of moonballing a lot of lobs a lot of players having to move over different sides of the court all the time and it was just a sort of fascinating watch and i thought elise mertens was was pulling a lot of those strings and um yeah they so second second grand slam title together they won wimbledon a few years ago and uh, yeah they make a really great team that they're, they're very different sort of personalities i very think different everything very different everything <laughs> uh, but they really gel together and yeah it was it was a really fun match there were lots of rallies that made you sort of chuckle a bit in the middle mm. which was it was great it was really entertaining and i mean chase away is never not entertaining it's going to be fascinating to see what she wins this year and with who presumably her phone is blowing up <laughs> with uh, with offers yeah absolutely incredible she also confirmed that she's she's not really retiring even from singles she's the retirement that she announced is retiring from grand slam singles which yeah. i think is why she didn't get a cake because <laughs> It's niche, isn't it? It's pretty, it's pretty niche. She's going to continue playing tour events in singles, and obviously she's, she's going to continue playing everything in in doubles and potentially winning everything as well. And we are here for it, but you don't get cake until it's the very end. That is That should be the rule. So I think that's just about it. For AO 2024, people are starting to, to stream past us. People in uniforms are leaving. There's a lot of rubbish in Garden Square to be cleaned up. Journalists are starting to leave. The last media shuttle departs in 14 minutes. Not sure we're going to be on it, but, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. It's been... Look, there have been ups and downs in this tournament, haven't there? And it's been a shame for us to end it without David, but there have been a lot of ups it's there's been good times at this tournament absolutely yeah i think honestly i probably will look back on this tournament as one of the toughest that that i've done in terms of um trying to cover it and i think we're all still feeling the loss of mike dixon during this tournament um it's it, it's been really hard and obviously just just for us not having David the last couple of days is is also really hard. Um, but on court, like, as always with these slams, I'm, I'm always amazed at, at the number of stories and matches that um, they get thrown thrown up. And, you know, we've got two incredible champions and a lot of great stories to get to those champions as well. And, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to offer a bit more perspective on it on our uh, on our review show. Like right now, it's all sort of quite overwhelming as it always is. But um, yeah, like the slams just always always deliver. Like we're so lucky that we get four of them a year. Yeah, when Daniel Medvedev started talking about Terence Atman in his <laughs> press conference, I was like, 
That was 400 years ago, Daniil. What are you talking about? <laughs> Couldn't remember the guy's name. Matt pulled Terence out of somewhere. <laughs> I was very impressed by that. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, exactly as, as Matt said, it's been challenging for us in in lots of ways. And the loss of Mike Dixon is something that we haven't been able to fully process because you're in a kind of vortex at these things, aren't you? You're on a hamster wheel and it's it's an exhilarating, fun hamster wheel and you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. But it does kind of shield you from reality in lots of ways. So, um, look, it, it's it's been tough in that respect, but... Uh, there's nowhere else we'd have wanted to be these past two weeks um, and tennis is always there and we're very grateful for that. Yes, I saw a, I saw a tweet that uh, Andy Murray has drawn Benoit Pair in Montpellier and I was like, that's, that's oh, the, tennis. That's the bad side of tennis always <laughs> being there. Like, tennis cannot be there just for a day or two, can't <laughs> it? Wow. Yeah, Montpellier's kicking off, Hua Hin is kicking off. <laughs> For the WTA. Lintz. It never stops. Uh, we're going to stop for a day, but then we'll be back on Tuesday. We're going to be recording some uh, bonus content for Friends of the Tennis Podcast. Now, um, the plan is for us to do a live Q&A show Tuesday morning, Australian time. So that would be uh, Monday evening, UK time, and earlier in the afternoon uh, or evening, US time full disclosure we don't know how david's gonna feel we're gonna make a decision on that 24 hours out so that'll be tomorrow morning our time we might already have made that decision by the time that you're listening to this and we will communicate it in uh, in an email of course to all friends of the tennis podcast but even if it's not live on tuesday morning it will be live sometime very soon indeed so um health permitting for david we still do hope to do it tuesday but please bear with us if it's not we will be recording an australian open review show with voice notes that will be our our opportunity to process the fortnight in in big picture Mm. in big picture terms and get david's takes and get david's takes he has got takes you know he's got takes takes to burn folks so yes those will be coming uh for friends of the tennis podcast over the next few days so lots of reasons to become a friend of the podcast not least of course supporting us in being here at these slams reporting on the tennis and the press conferences and on the sport in the way that it deserves to be reported on it is it's not a given that journalists come out to these events and and cover them. And that's something, to their great credit, Tennis Australia really understand. You know, they, they know it's a big deal for people to, to come all this way and cover this event. And we've got three of us here doing it, and we're very proud to be able to do that. Um, but that is because of you, Friends of the Tennis Podcast. So thank you ever so much for your support. And thank you in particular to Usher for being our mascot throughout this fortnight. Usher, you're a legend. Thank you to our individual mascots. I will thank Francis on David's behalf. Uh, don't think David disgraced Francis, did he? I mean, I'm not sure any of us excelled, but... No, mid-table finish for David. Great. Very West Brom. Right. Oh, I mean, tough scene for West Brom today. Anyway, uh, not a mid-table finish for me and darwin um but 
we'll try harder, like Daniel Medvedev <laughs> next time. Uh, Matt, for you, Haider and Soma. Mid-table finish, very Fulham. Um, should we mention at this point Katura? Yes, she was the only one of our newsletter predictors to have Yannick Sinner in five. And if you read the newsletter and thought, no, she didn't, that was very much my mistake. I I gave her Sinner in four, but she did actually say Sinner in five. Uh, but shout out to Hannah uh, in our predictions who won our newsletter predictions competition. She's blown us away. She was awesome. Mm, I... I always think when these when these amazing listeners come along and just thrash us in predictions, I'm like, why don't you have a tennis podcast? What, <laughs> what are we doing? Um, Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Ilana Kloss. We have top folks and executive producers Greg, Chris, Jamie, and Jeff. And we won't do shout outs tonight because what is a shout out without David Law? But we will. Uh, if you allow us allow us a moment of indulgence, shout out some very important people that help us tremendously throughout these incredibly hectic Grand Slam fortnights. And in particular, the last two weeks, we have Woolly, who does an awful lot for us. Uh, we have Hannah, of course, who runs our Twitter, who is uh, writing articles for us this year the first of her articles is available now on our website if you want to have a look at that it's about Grigor Dimitrov and it is aged brilliantly <laughs> I think um, of course in, in, an incredible piece of work and uh, she'll be continuing to do incredible pieces of work like that uh, for t- Friends of the Tennis Podcast throughout this year we have Gorana our designer who's done incredible work for us on the newsletter over the course of the past two week. we ha- two weeks we have cameraman Matthew who actually hasn't worked with us at all over this fortnight but it's, it's generally brought good vibes I think it, it was great having cameraman Matthew yes. here he, he, he just makes us feel better he's a part of the team even when he's not officially a part of the team mm. and even when he's not listening and to the part and not reading the newsletter trying to gaslight me uh, <laughs> into believing that I hadn't had a haircut <laughs> you've always had short hair no and, and his other gem this tournament was I knew Matt before you did Catherine I knew I knew Matt when he worked for the LTA. Yeah, fake news. He also <laughs> tried to convince us it was 2022. <laughs> we love Matthew. Never a dull moment with Matthew. So, so thank you to all these people for bringing the vibes, bringing the hard work. It takes an army. And David, if you're listening, which you are, get well soon. Get well soon, David. Thank you all for listening. It's been a cracking Australian Open for Friends of the Pod. We'll be with you in the coming days. For anybody else listening, we'll be back with a show next Monday. It is a joy to produce these shows. Thank you. One last time from Melbourne Park 2024. We will speak to you soon. 